You're listening to the Wild Youth Podcast. Awesome, awesome. Welcome, Wild Youth. How are you guys doing? Good. Few of you are good. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. I want to say a special wild welcome to anyone that's new. If it's your first time, I am so glad that you're here. There are so many things you could do with your Wednesday night, but you chose to be here with us. So we feel so special. Thank you for coming. I hope that you're here next week. And if I haven't met you yet, please come find me after service. Introduce yourself to me. I would love to to meet you, chat with you. But my name is Connor. Hello. Hi. I am the youth pastor here, so it is my honor and privilege that you chose to be here with us tonight. And you're in for a special treat because we are in our what series this month? Not alone. Our relationships series. Both answers are correct. It's okay. It's interchangeable. We're talking about relationships all month. And what are we talking about specifically tonight? Dating and marriage. So, like I said, you're in for a treat. It's a good one tonight. So, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to read our scripture. We're going to read our scripture tonight. Ephesians 5. We'll be in Ephesians 5. Before we read that real fast, um, I just want to reiterate, we have our panel discussion next week. So what that means is we have two married couples, a single person that you guys all know and love, and they're all going to be up here to answer your questions. Any questions that you have about dating, about marriage, what that looks like, I mean, we're going to filter them a little bit, okay, to be honest. We're going to look at them ahead of time, but we won't share with anyone who asked the question. So don't be embarrassed by the questions that you have because everyone has them. I guarantee you every single one of you has at least one question. Ask it. Next week is the time to get your questions answered. We won't even have small groups because I want to make sure that we have time to get to as many questions as possible. So go on our Instagram, ask those questions. If you don't think of it until the night of, we will have an option for you to text in your question. So you can even ask them the night of. So be prepared. I'm super excited for that. All right. Ephesians 5. Are you there? Yes. Awesome. Okay. We're going to start in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Do you feel encouraged yet? Okay, we'll get there. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. God, I thank you for your word. <laughs> I thank you that when we have these big stages of life, these decisions to make, that we can go to your word and we can find the answers. So God, I pray right now that you would give us understanding. Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us your heart for marriage, for dating? Would you just speak to each of us? And I pray that we would have ears to hear and receive your word with love and with grace tonight, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you take your seats, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, how you doing? How you doing? So leaders, adult leaders, I want you... If you have a pickup line, I want you to raise your hand. Tavita, yes. Okay, Tavita's going to share with us a pickup line, so pay attention. Out loud, yes. So make it appropriate if it's not appropriate. <laughs> Pass, yeah, good. <laughs> that is why I said only adult leaders hoping that it would be appropriate. Okay, Mo's got one. <laughs> have you been reading numbers lately because I can't seem to find yours that's a good one any any other leader have one okay pastor Sean oh that was good <laughs> that's so good y'all should be writing these down if you're not writing them down come on Okay, and no, nah, no, nah. sorry, you can tell me afterwards. <laughs> Any other adult leader? No? Wow. All right. Well, you got, yeah. You, okay, Jenna has one. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> what did Ian say? He didn't say a pickup line. Not right now. He's up there. You can ask him afterwards. Sorry. Okay. So, like I said, take note, write those down, and then in 10 years you can use them. Ha. Right? Ha. Ha ha. Okay, but seriously, seriously, before we get into the nitty-gritty of what we're talking tonight. With dating comes drama, right? Right? And I just want to remind you, y'all have enough drama as it is. Y'all have enough drama without adding dating on top of it. Yes? So, that being said... Most of you should not date while you're in middle school or high school. 
We're starting, starting with the hard truth right now, okay? Most of you should not date while you're in middle school or high school. And I know, I know that sounds harsh. Everyone calm down. I know. Please just listen to the rest of the message, and I think you'll understand why I say that. Okay? I've been where you've been. I dated a lot of people. That was a mistake. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Please. Okay. So when it comes to dating, the Bible doesn't really say a lot about it. Have any of you noticed that? Have you been looking for answers in the Bible about dating? No, none of you. Okay, well, great. I'm glad we're talking about it tonight. Okay, a couple of you. You won't find much. However, it does have a lot to say about marriage. It has a lot to say when it comes to marriage. So tonight, we're going to look at what God says a marriage should look like while also applying those same things to dating. Because what a marriage should look like should be applied then to our dating relationship, right? Doesn't that just make sense? Because your dating should be leading to your marriage. You should always have a purpose when you're dating, and the purpose should be an end goal of marriage. That's what you should be thinking about. It should always be on your mind. Asking yourself the question, is this a person that I could see myself marrying? Is this a person that I could see myself raising kids with? Is this a person that I could honestly live the rest of my life with? Those are big questions. Those are huge questions. So are you starting to see why I said most of you probably shouldn't be dating right now? Because I bet most of you are not asking yourselves those questions yet. And that's okay. That's okay that you're not yet. And if the person that you are dating, if you are dating someone, isn't asking themselves that question, you shouldn't be dating that person. Right? Okay. So before we look at the traits of a godly marriage, I want us to understand his purpose of marriage. Let's look at God's purpose for marriage. The first thing is to reflect God's relationship with the church, meaning us. Marriage was meant to reflect God's relationship with his church or his bride, as the Bible calls it. You see, when we understand that our marriage is to reflect that relationship, we can also better understand why God doesn't like divorce. Matthew 19, I want you to write that down. Matthew 19, starting in verse 3. I just want to read you what he says. Sorry. Okay, Matthew 19, starting in verse 3. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one? So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man 
separate. And he goes on and he says, well, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of a divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So why, why then does God say that divorce is sin except in the case of sexual immorality? Because God doesn't divorce us. God doesn't take away his relationship with us when we mess up, when we sin. When we make a mistake, God doesn't just throw us away and reject us. He doesn't take away our salvation. In fact, I believe that the only way that you can lose your salvation is by making the conscious choice to no longer follow Jesus. When you've made the choice and said yes, and then you go back and say, actually, no, I I am not going to follow Jesus. By actually rejecting him, because when you do that, you're committing adultery. You are joining yourself to something other than God. The same is true when it comes to marriage. Number two. God's purpose of marriage is to sanctify us. That's a big word, sanctify us. It means to make us holy, to make us more like Jesus, to make us perfect. See, Ephesians 5, 25 through 28, we read this at the beginning, but I want to read this in a different translation for you. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish. That's talking about what Jesus does with us. That's talking about his relationship with us, that it's to make us spotless to show us what it looks like to have relationship with God and how to live in the ways of God. And the same is true in our marriage. See, before Ian and I got married, I read this book called Sacred Marriage. It's by a guy named Gary Thomas. If you're looking for something to read, pick that up. It's amazing. But the whole purpose of the book was the idea that marriage was designed to make us holy and not just happy. The question that he always asked was, what if marriage was to make us holy more than to make us happy? And of course, he explains in there that, yes, you will be happy in your marriage as you're becoming more holy. But we can get caught in a trap if we think that the purpose of marriage is just to make us happy you will be disappointed. Every day, you will be disappointed if you think that's the purpose of marriage. Because the real purpose is that we're to serve each other. It's not just to be served by your spouse. It's to serve your spouse. And to point each other to Jesus when you mess up, because you're going to mess up. So now, I want us to look at 
the traits of a godly marriage from Scripture. Take a picture of this because that will just be way easier for you to go back to. So I'm not going to hit on every single one of these, but I do want to highlight a couple of them and explain them a little bit. So the first one, man and woman. A godly marriage is between a man and a woman. Our scriptures use the words husband and wife. The translation of those words in Greek literally means man and woman. Never does it say husband and husband or wife and wife. It says husband and wife. So God's design for marriage was between a man and a woman. If you don't believe me, go to the scripture. It's right there. Go look at it for yourself. The second one, that the two are to become one. So what does that mean? We are committed to each other. When I married Ian, I committed my life to his life. He committed his to mine. We have become one family. Notice how it says that you leave your father and your mother and you become one flesh with your husband or your wife, meaning you're now separating yourself from that family and starting your own new family, the two of you. But when it also talks about the two becoming one flesh, yes, it is talking about sex. So we're going to pause and look at what else the Bible has to say about sex for like 30 seconds, okay? Because I know that some of you have questions about that already. So 1 Corinthians 7, 2. 1 Corinthians 7, 2. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So the question usually is, is sex outside of marriage actually sin? Is that wrong? Okay, the Greek word used there for sexual immorality is pornea. And that lists a bunch of things outside of sex between a married man and woman, meaning they are married to each other. So what we can conclude from this is that God's design for sex is only in the context of a married man and woman. That is the only sex that God blesses. Every other kind is considered sexual immorality or sin. So there's your answer. Boom, that's it. Okay, moving on. Submit. All right, ladies. Did any of you have a little issue when we were reading that, talking about submitting to your husband? <laughs> the, the married women in the room were like, yep. <laughs> it's okay to be honest about that. I definitely felt that way. Because we don't usually like the word submit in any context, to be honest, right? When we're told to submit to something or someone, we usually don't like that. But it says that wives submit to husband, to submit to their husbands, but also to God, right? Because the church also submits to Christ. So that being said, the husbands are also submitting to God. So what that means for you 
is that your husband should be your spiritual leader. Your husband should be the one leading you and guiding you into the things of God. So when you're submitting to him, it should be easy. If he is following God and he's seeking God and he's prayerful, it should be somewhat easy for you to submit to him. And that doesn't mean that when you guys are figuring out decisions that you aren't part of that discussion. You should be having those discussions together. But ultimately, your husband is leading you in the decision that you're making. And then as you go down the list, you notice these other things. It says love, honor, and respect. And why it should be easy is because you should want to submit to a husband that is loving you, honoring you, and respecting you. Because that's what the Bible says a marriage should be. And guys, when you're looking for, when you want to look for a woman that will love, honor, and respect you, it will be easier for you to lead her. The person that you marry, the wife that you marry, as she is honoring, loving, and respecting you, it should be easier to lead her. Are we stubborn? Yeah. Most of the time. Some of us. Maybe not all of us. But as they're doing those things, it should be easier for you to lead her because she will have grace with you as you're figuring out how to lead. So since all of these things apply to marriage and God put them in his word for us to read and to learn from, why wouldn't we apply them to dating? Why wouldn't we apply them when it comes to dating? Now, of course, when we're talking about becoming one, I'm not saying for you to have sex in your dating relationship because we already talked about that. That's when you're married. But what I am saying is you shouldn't be dating multiple people at the same time. You should be exclusively dating one person because you're not going to marry multiple people. So why would you be dating multiple people? And when it talks about submitting in a dating relationship, that will look different. Since you haven't been joined together, you don't need to fully submit to them, right? But you should be asking yourself, can I see them leading me? Can I see myself leading them? If we were to get married, would we both be submitting to God together? Those are the questions that you should be asking yourself. But as we wrap up, there's something that I want you to notice. Just like I said at the beginning, nowhere in the scripture does it say that marriage is just to make us happy. Nowhere does it say that you are half of a person and the person you marry is half of a person, so when you get together, you become a whole person. No, you're two whole people. Two whole people are joining together. You aren't completing each other. You are both complete yourselves. 
You are just choosing to join your completeness to someone else's completeness. Does that make sense? And nowhere does it say that our husband or wife is meant to fulfill all of our needs. The only way that you will have all of your needs fulfilled is through Jesus Christ. If you're looking for your spouse to fulfill your every need, you will be let down and your marriage will be hard. Because God is the only one who is meant to fulfill all of your needs, including your joy. So as we break up into small groups tonight, what I want you to ask yourself is, where am I finding my fulfillment? Where am I finding my fulfillment? So let's go ahead and break up into our groups. If you don't have a small group yet, please come down here to the front and I will help you find one. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go to myeternity.com slash wild. Or you can join us in person on Wednesdays from 6.30 to 8.30 at Eternity. Yeah.